Welcome on back into the Sling Sports Podcast. Your host, Jake Finnerty, your co-host, Wally McKeon. Wally, close to spring break here, close to March Madness, and as always, close to Selection Sunday. Not as always, but you know, it's it's, it's creeping up on us. Yeah, there's a, it's a big time of the year. I'm going home tomorrow to begin my break, five nights at home. I'm going for to visit my girlfriend in Pennsylvania, five nights there. Ten nights. Ten nights at break, man. PA. Um, PA, man. A lot of those nights are going <laughs> to consist of college basketball, and I cannot wait for it. No, I I am super excited for college basketball. Um, you know, a lot. Some breaking news just happened right before we started recording, which we will get into. Uh, but highlight of the week, Wally is is that is that your highlight? The spring break coming up? That's easy, so I'm not gonna do it. And I'm gonna go with a highlight that took place yesterday, and that was me and my two roommates. And I had a friend from my camp come up and visit me, and the four of us went to Sky Zone Trampoline Park. That's awesome. And I had a trampoline growing up. And I absolutely love that thing, and I forgot how much I love trampolines. Have you, ne- had you never been life. to a trampoline park? It was the second one that I had ever been to. Wow. And I went to another one over the summer with camp. Um, I love the trampoline park. Play I love dodgeball? trampolines in general. We did not play dodgeball, but they did have a slam court where, like, nine-foot rims on a bouncy pad. It was so much fun. Wait, we they had a full... They had a full court or full just court. one? Oh, wow. Yeah. It, well, not Obviously not like 90 feet, but yeah, it yeah. had rims on both sides. It was sick. Um, I, had the, I had the time of my life. Well, I am gonna. I think I might have to go there. I did not know that they had that. Um, and they got, they got two yeah, for I've, Tuesdays. Two tickets I, for the price of one. Wow. So get in wow. I have, I have not been to a it Sky so Zone much fun. in a while. They have one. They built one in Northeastern PA. We got to go. We got to get while, the game A while together. ago. So I, we might we might have to make that the next, the spring tradition. You it know, spraying awesome. on those on those mats, on those trampolines. Good play on words. Um, me, myself, I'm very excited for the weekend. Obviously excited for uh, spring break coming yeah. up, getting that time off, um, working on a lot of stuff for work in general. Um, but my highlight, I guess what I would say, is this weekend I'm going out to Jordan, New York, uh, with the radio station that I'm part of up here, Z89. And we are actually interviewing a country band, me and three other uh, girls that are a part of the radio station as well. Um, all on the exec staff, I, I should mention that. Higher up Very than nice. me, I, yeah. I give them the most praise in the world. Actually, I give them the most praise in the world. I meant to say this. Happy Happy International Women's Day as yes, well. I can't believe I can't believe I didn't lead with that. But that, that that actually just uh, brought me to that point. So I will I will give that credit out there. Happy International Women's yes, Day to all of the so. women out there in sports and everything. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited for that. We're interviewing the band Parmalee. I don't know if you've ever heard I them. Um, you probably you might have heard one of their songs. It went a little viral. It was on. It was nominated for an iHeartRadio Award this okay. year. Okay, I'll do some so listening to them. On the I'll, uh, yeah, I'll. I'll I actually just found out about them about a month ago when uh, this one girl that obviously um, put the put the offer out there for the interview uh, showed me them and I got to listen to some of their songs. They are pretty pretty good. That's awesome. Uh, so I enjoy know, that. That's yeah, I, we're we're having a meeting for it tomorrow. I don't know the full details yet. But I'm very excited to be a part of that. That'd be really fun. Uh, well, with that being said, we're going to get into some of the sports. And what better way to kick off International Women's Day than with one of the women that have been just boosting sports in general. And that's Caitlin yeah. Clark going off in the Big Ten tournament. Big time. Not only just in the tournament, but the championship game in, in uh, particular. Had a triple-double. 30 points, 10 boards, 17 assists. The first D1 player in the last 20 years, man or woman, to have a game with at least 30 points and 15 assists in yeah. that game. As well, first D1 player, man or woman, 
in that same time span with 25 points, 10 boards, and 15 assists in the same game. Just a monster player. Was named the Big Ten Player of the Year last week. Very much so in the running for AP Player of the Year. Also boosting Iowa up as in general as a program. Yes. Um, Iowa, obviously, we don't see a ton of women's programs be that dominant outside of UConn, South Carolina, and Notre Dame recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but Iowa getting up to that standard, yeah. um, you know, pretty pretty close in that regard. And Caitlin Clark doing it, I wouldn't say all, all herself, but honestly, like mostly herself because she, it's a team game. But she is she is the driving force of it, I should say. She scored or assisted on, I think, 68 points. Yeah. They, they scored 102 as a blowout in the final, but scored or assisted on 68 points in that game. Insane. And Iowa expected to be a number two seed yes. in, their, in the women's selection Sunday as a well. A high two seed yes. as well. Uh, World Baseball Classic begins began today, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Netherlands taking down Cuba in the first matchup. Yeah, and I didn't realize how good the Dutch were. And I knew Didi Gregorius, but going into it, I didn't realize Xander Bogarts, Andrelton yeah. Simmons, Jurkson Profar, all of these guys are from the Netherlands. That's a good roster. There are some big-time names on there. I also got to say, they have some pretty sick jerseys. The pinstripes, and then they yeah. have the crown on top of the, yeah. it just says Netherlands. It's, it's pretty fun. clean. It's pretty cool. I like, yeah. the, I like, the, I like to see that. Yeah. I also... Keep really like with the World Baseball Classic how the initial rounds are spread out across the world with uh, Taiwan, Tokyo, Phoenix, and Miami all hosting the four different pools and the semifinals and championships will be played in the U.S. But it's baseball nearly 24-7 because of the time difference. It's so much fun. I love the World Baseball Classic, and I'm glad that it's back. Yeah, I'm super excited to watch. The U.S. will have their first matchup this Saturday against Great Britain. A lot of people yeah. are saying it's going to be the tiebreaker for uh, <laughs> From the for what Cup. happened in the World Cup. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'd go that far to say that. Uh, baseball is America's unfair. pastime. Yeah, it might but, be a little unfair uh, versus the U.S. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I'm super excited. Three Phillies on the roster coming up this Saturday, so I can't wait. It'll be really fun. Yeah. Uh, the Players' Tournament. Obviously, get got got to put my golf golf yeah. tidbit in there. Uh, set to begin this weekend in Jacksonville, Florida, um, at TPC Sawgrass. This is one of the biggest events of the year. Um, obviously, I'll give you a little background. Yeah, please um, do. This is gonna... this is kind of when the height of the season begins. All is right. you're about a month out from the Masters. The Players is really just, as it's stated, the Players Tournament. It's one of the best events as a pro that you can be involved in. Um, you know, just the the tournament aspect of it. They're having some of the best groups out of all the tournaments I've seen ever this weekend. Three of my top favorite golfers, Max Homa, Justin Thomas, and Jordan Spieth, are all in one group uh, teeing off tomorrow at, I believe it's like noon. Um, so I'm super excited to watch that and follow them the entire day. Uh, but this is really when, when golf season is in full swing. Um, ah, no, no, I see what you did no, there. No pun intended, but... Um, and Jacksonville, Florida, you got to see Trevor Lawrence yesterday, giving Duval chance to to the king. I figured. Uh, why is this one called the Players Tournament? What's what's unique? About um, it makes it for the players. Is there anything? I don't really know the background behind that. I okay. I, I probably should have done a little bit more research That's on right. that. But uh, no, I um, I mean, a lot of them have just different uh, sponsors and stuff that 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 have because obviously the Waste Management Open, you know, why is it <laughs> sponsored by? Oh, I mean, yeah. but also. Uh, the players tournament, I think it's just a branding that they put on there. Um, cool. You know, having like it. surrounding, really putting the focus on the players, on the pros that are involved. Also, I saw that the tee time for some of these players was at six fifty a.m. That sounds horrible. That's that's normal. Which is insane to me. And but I don't, it's, I don't, I don't watch golf. I don't play golf. But six fifty sounds. Miserable. It's also, it's also because this is, like I said, one of the biggest tournaments. You're gonna have some of the biggest roster fill out so before the cut, before the cuts after Friday. Yeah. Um. 
So if you're trying to get everyone through 18 holes of golf, especially they're not like us as modern golf. I mean, you haven't been out fully on a course. No, I've like, been to the driving ever, range right? a couple yeah. of times. Um, Plenty of fun. They're not going in carts. They're walking this entire course with their yeah. caddies wow. and, and having to pull the clubs and even just evaluate shots. They have to worry about TV coverage as well and stuff like that. So wow. it's a very different experience when, when it's an actual tournament and you need to get all those guys in to, to tee off. You're going to have guys going off at 6.50, 7 a.m. Well, glad I'm not participating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we're going to move on to the NHL. Uh, we'll start off with the Lightning. And there, cons- con- there could be cons- some concerns rising. They're 3-5-2 and two in their last 10 and have fallen in a very wide marginal gap behind the Maple Leafs. Yeah, they're going to be all right, largely just because of the rest of the Atlantic Division being pretty bad. Florida is still 11 points behind them. But a lot of the, not not a lot, but some of those losses have been very ugly. Uh, lost 6-0 against Carolina, 7-3 Pittsburgh. Um, they endured the five-game losing streak where they gave up four or more goals in all of those games. Um, that streak ended after a win against Philadelphia uh, last night. But some very ugly losses within that time. Yeah, and uh, Victor Hedman was out for a game or two or uh, a couple at a time. Uh, battling an injury he um is currently still out we uh they got Chernick back um which was positive but losing five in a row is ugly ugly stuff and I mean the Canes obviously are playing at a very high level of hockey but to lose 6-0 to them is even not a good sign regardless of not a good sign at all and also playing the Penguins twice over three games and losing both of those is very detrimental yeah on the flip side of that, the New York Rangers, two games into the Patrick Kane era, pretty much done a whole lot of nothing. Uh, lost to Ottawa, lost to Boston. I don't really care about losing to Boston. Everyone does yeah. that. They're on a historical pace. Ottawa loss was ugly, though. Um, hitting this, hitting the road this week at Montreal, Buffalo, at Pittsburgh, three of those are winnable, um, especially Montreal and Buffalo. The biggest thing that I've noticed with Gerard Gallant, the Rangers head coach, it's going to be mixing and matching with the power play with all of the lines, trying to figure out what is best. Obviously, on paper, it sounds like the most fun to just front load your front your first line and have Kreider or even like Panarin, Zabanajad, and Kane all in that first line. But he's mixing and matching, trying to find some balance. They're two games into it, not to mention Tarasenko got there two weeks ago. So there's some new additions on the top lines. They're just working out the kinks. They're going to be fine, but... Rough, rough beginning. Not exactly what they wanted. Not the not the exact start you want to go into, but like you said, obviously you bring a, a couple new pieces in. They got to work their way in. Yeah. Even if it is Patrick Kane, um, it's going to take some time to adjust and really mm-hmm. see where everyone's going to end up fitting into those lines and and how they're all going to mesh together. Um, I think obviously you see they they had an overtime battle with the Flyers before the, this two game skid, mm-hmm. um, but there should not be much concern. No. Um, they're in a good spot right now, so nothing nothing to be worried about. The Wild in the hunt for the top spot in the Central. We talked about them last week. I believe it was last week or yeah. it was the week before. Either way, Either talked way. about their insane goaltending and, yeah. and everything that's been going on there. Um, before their loss to Calgary, they were on a four-game win streak as well. Yeah, not only that four-game win streak, but they have not lost in regulation since February 9th, and they play Winnipeg tonight, so chances are they're going to lose in regulation. That's just how this podcast works. But if they win that game, that's a month. A month has passed without them losing in regulation. Um, Philip Gustafsson, who we were gassing up, whether it was one week ago or two, uh, had a shutout against Calgary 
for two straight games. They lost the second game one nothing in the shootout. Um, the guy has allowed one uh, more than one goal in regulation only once in the last eight games, playing out of his mind and all for nothing just because Linus Olmark's going to win the Vesna Trophy. But absolutely phenomenal play from Gustafsson in the wild over the past month. Yeah, it really sucks for him because of how well he is playing <laughs> and especially because the wild just a month ago weren't even yeah. we weren't even talking about we them in, in this re- in this regard we no. thought that um actually even uh winnipeg was w- running away with it at yeah. that time um and dallas you know was hanging around colorado obviously coming back up into the mix mm-hmm. but minnesota was a team that we were not talking about um nearly as highly uh yeah. a month ago and now they're right back in, in the, the fight way. and within two points of that first that top spot uh right behind dallas mm-hmm. so I think that that hunt is going to be uh, kind of wild. Obviously, we wow, saw kind of wild. <laughs> we saw the there. we saw the trade deadline end last week um, with um, so everyone is kind of set on their playoff rosters and where they're going to be at. Um, now it's to the point of who's going to adjust what they what pieces they got, where are they going to fit into their their lines, like we were saying with the Rangers, especially, mm-hmm. um, and what are the Wilds going to do when it comes playoff time obviously as as it stands right now it looks like they're going to make it but will they have that one seed or will they have you know fit in somewhere else in, in that playoff um i mean it's action-packed at the top of the west with them them dallas vegas los angeles uh they're all within two points of each other they're all right there two three points i don't think minnesota comes out with that top spot um, I think it's, it'll be Vegas. I've been high on Vegas for quite some time just because they've been there. They're an experienced bunch, and they've been consistent throughout the entire season. Nothing has changed with them. I think Vegas comes out at the one. But I do think Minnesota could easily come out on top of the Central, um, assuming Colorado doesn't go on a rampage, which yeah. they are very much capable of. They can easily rip off six, seven wins in a row. They just can't give up six, seven goals in a game. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we're going to move on to the NFL and yesterday was the final day for franchise, franchise tagging. Yeah. And I believe when when I introduced it, I think I misspoke. I think I said it was March 15th, not March 5th. Did you? When we, when we originally oh. were talking about franchise tagging. I don't want to, I mean, we don't have to go back to that. Was but, the, oh, it also the, wasn't even the 5th. Yeah, it, was it, was, the it was the 7th. Well, does the league, so, the league New Year starts on the 15th, right? Oh yes, so that I probably that's probably what what I mixed up on. Yeah. Well, either way, I I did want to I wanted to correct myself because I do remember saying stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, the first signing to come, the first major signing, we'll say, is Derek Carr signing with the Saints for four years. Um, does this ensure that Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets? No, but the fact that Aaron Rodgers is meeting with Jets personnel in California is something, and I'm happy about that. Because there's because there's going, not it's not just Rogers saying maybe exactly just that there's something actually taking place. Um, I don't think that it ensures everything, but I do think it ensures the Jets will be in a lot of trouble if Aaron Rodgers doesn't sign there because it seems like they are very reliant on free agent quarterbacks with Derek Carr and Rodgers as their top two choices. Who knows what's going on in Aaron Rodgers' head? But this is very very big for them. Not so much just for Rodgers, but the fallout if they do not end up with him. Well, my answer is all... Well, first, I do want to say, I predicted Derek Carr to the Saints. I want to say that I got that correct. I, w- <laughs> I was correct. I think the Saints are in a very good spot um, with Derek Carr, having young young pieces like Chris Olave. Alvin Kamara has a suspension looming. We don't know how long yeah. it's going to be or what's going to come of that. So 
there may be a possibility to see them going after a running back in free agency like Miles Sanders, maybe, or or very good or running back class. Yeah, somewhere, some someone else, and even we've heard rumors that Derrick Henry can be available per trade. So who knows what's to come when it comes to the running back? But they have some decent weapons at receiver, especially mm-hmm. like I mentioned, Olave having a great season. Yeah, um, with two or three different quarterbacks at the helm. Um, putting Carr in that position, I think, is is a smart move. And I saw Dennis Allen had some kind of connection to him through Oakland or Vegas. He oh, he? he was a part of some something. It's probably a that way. Over so yeah, so um, good for both He did sides. have some personal connection, but no, I do not think that the <laughs> Jets are even going to get Aaron Rodgers. Ah. I think that they're going to target another major quarterback that's technically not a free agent, but in the market right now you're talking about a guy that we're going to talk about a little yes i am so i'm just hinting i'm hinting i'm hinting so (laughs) first before we get to that big that big story um geno smith was the next to sign for three years 105 million yeah it's just an awesome story for geno i i think it's it's positive for geno geno and uh you know Pete carroll because Pete carroll people were all also trying to shove out the door um after trading russell Wilson. yeah and everyone thought they were doomed going into it he basically revived the team. Guys like DK and Tyler Lockett didn't want to be there, and now look mm-hmm. at where they're at. They're very happy in the Made situation. The um, the you even season. have Kenneth Walker, a young running back that yep. can that has a lot of potential. Um, although we have seen second year running backs on on the uh, the downside, maybe he could break that trend. Maybe some other guys can break that trend too. We'll see. Um, but I, I'm very happy for Geno to get a contract, um, especially a three year one. It's not like it was anything super long term, but it was nice to keep him close to home in Seattle and see what he could do yeah. for the next couple of years. That's good. That's very good for both sides. Everyone involved. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll let you take this one, but Daniel Jones, four years, $160 million, and Saquon Barkley also tagged right yeah. after. This is exactly what Joe Shane wanted to do. I'm a happy camper. I wanted both of them, and I got both of them as a fan. I want to go on a tangent, though. Not regarding a little bit about Daniel Jones, but more so just contracts in the NFL. Because I'm a little baby as a Giants fan. My heart gets hurt when people say bad things about the team. And everyone's saying overpay with Daniel Jones. And sure, that's fair. But I just want to just want to talk a little bit about how contracts work in the NFL and what actually means something. The only thing that truly matters to a fan and a team is the cap hit. Like how much that player is taking up on your team. And Daniel Jones is going to be in the 18.5 million to 19 million range, which will put him at around 14th in the NFL in terms of cap hit. We don't know where Geno Smith is going to land, but probably somewhere around there. It might slide DJ down to 15, might move him up one spot, whatever. Nothing regarding how much the player is actually making, like their signing bonus, affects any fan. And if you are upset by Daniel Jones having more money than you because of his signing bonus, that's your problem. That has nothing to do with DJ's actual skill level. Not to mention these numbers, the $160 million, that is the maximum that any player can get. And we see it with every contract that we see across the NFL, minus the Kirk Cousins anomaly like four, four or five years ago when he wanted all of his money guaranteed. Um, he's going to have, a, again, cap hit $19 million. That's not that much money. And all of these people who are saying there are so many players that are better than Jones that are such a smaller cap hit, that's because they're still on their rookie deals. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts. You can throw in Tua there. Trevor Lawrence in 2024. These guys aren't eligible for contracts yet. When they get it, 
all of them are going to be worth more than Daniel, which is going to slide him back down to 18th, 19th, 20th, which is where he fits. So no, one, it's not an overpay, but two, learn how contracts work. Learn what actually matters. And look around at the rest of the NFL and how bad some of the other teams are managing their cap. Carson Wentz, who got benched for Taylor Heineke, had a cap hit of $28 million last year for Washington. That's $10 million more than what DJ is. Jameis Winston has a cap hit of $15.5 million this year. That's nearly Daniel Jones' money, and they just paid Derek Carr all of this money. Taysom Hill had that baloney contract that was four years, $140 million a few years ago. All of that based off of incentive. His cap hit is around $10 million. So please, before you say overpay, in some cases the overpay makes sense. It's totally worth it. But learn what the cap hit is because that is the only thing, truly, that actually affects a fan, that affects a team roster management. What the guy is making, what he's allowed to go buy for dinner, does not affect anyone. That's all I ask. Just read into it a teeny tiny bit before you make these claims. I just think it's hilarious because I know that you had me in the back of your mind during all of those because I was just texting you yesterday. Well, you are one of you are well, one of hundreds. No, 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 no. But I'm, but I'm, I'm just saying that the only reason I say it is because I know it gets to you, and I know that everyone's gonna well, see it on Twitter. Well, I see it on Twitter. But I, like, you can say it obviously, or not. obviously, as as you. we're as we're sitting here, I'm agreeing with all of these points. Like, I'm not in. Like a I know. dumb individual. I know <laughs> like, you're not dumb. Everything I know that, that you say is just I know that irritating. I know that I know that all these people. You know I'm an instigator, so you know I'm gonna I get in. You, you know I'm gonna try and get under your skin when it gets to that. But no, obviously yes. Joe, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts. I don't know if Tua will get a long term deal, so I can't. I Health I'm not putting him in that. But but T Law. Obviously, all those guys are gonna get longer contracts, bigger contracts, um, than Daniel Jones. But like you said, this is exactly what the Giants wanted. This is exactly what they needed. They needed to bring both of these guys back into their offense and doing it this way saved them money ultimately, getting Barkley, tagging him, and Daniel Jones signing him to what was a four-year deal. Four years that uh, they can cut him after two years and there's no dead money. Yeah. So it's literally perfect. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with the situation. Because if he if he does not perform up to standard in the next get two rid years, of him. then they can That's get rid that. of him. Uh, well, we'll move on with the franchise tags. Yeah. And that's Josh Jacobs first getting his franchise tag with the Raiders. Which shouldn't have existed in the first place. Should have just picked up the exactly. option. It's I a agree. running back who played at a very high level who's on a rookie contract. There's no reason to not pick that up. Um, moving on. <laughs> moving on. I will say that was one that, uh, you know, I predicted. Everyone predicted, though. Yeah. Uh, but Evan Ingram um, franchise tagged as well. On the same day that Calvin Ridley was reinstated. Big day in Jacksonville. Very, very happy about this. Calvin yeah. Ridley actually just made it to Jacksonville today. Uh, was in the facilities. Met with Trent Baalke, uh, Doug Peterson. Great. Super excited to work. Um, there's a video of him FaceTiming Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor was like, cannot wait for you to meet everyone. That's fun. Uh, CK, obviously Christian Kirk, mm-hmm. Zay, uh, Jamal Agnew, Evan, everyone. And... and they said they're going to start throwing in two weeks. So I can't wait to see those videos come out. Yeah. Uh, him throwing to Calvin Ridley for the first time. Um, I'm excited to see what number Calvin Ridley is. He's, he's currently saying that he's going to wear number four, but there could be mm. changes coming. Um, so I don't know. Got a New Jersey on the way? When you might, might, the might be. Might have to be. Uh, <laughs> but I, it, he's going to be – he said he also said uh, put out a very nice letter in the Players' Tribune um, stating two things. One, that um, – 
obviously when he was going through the time off with the Falcons and Mm -hmm. he was gambling on games that he was in a state of depression. He was not himself. And that's why he was taking that personal time off. And I want to say one, obviously mental health is not anything to mess around with. So I appreciate him coming out and stepping forward and really putting that out there in an article and, and making it a lot more aware for a lot of people out there that may be struggling with that, that don't know, um, what to do or how to get out of it. But there are people out there, especially some of the people on the biggest stage in sports and anything else uh, that are going through it and have gone through it that can show you that there are ways to get through it. Um, But secondly, is that he said that with the grace of God playing with Trevor Lawrence, he will have 1,400 yards receiving this year. That's a a big time number. So we'll see. That is a big time number. I hope you get that number. (laughs) I'm praying. I'm praying. Um. Lamar Jackson. Now this yeah. is this is who this is the we guy were you were going to talk about getting the non-exclusive franchise tag, which means he's able to talk and negotiate with teams. Baltimore has to match whatever contract he ends up with. Mm-hmm. Well, the question is, will he stay in Baltimore? Uh, I'm not a fan of guessing where people are going to go <laughs> and contract stuff. You enjoy it a little bit more, and you're better at it than me. But I'll take my crack. I think he stays put. I think he stays in Baltimore. I don't think he goes anywhere just because of how expensive it'll be to get him. And this weird thing going around the league um, where all of these teams are publicly saying they're not interested in him. So I think yeah. the most likely thing is he stays put. I, I don't buy the fact of people saying that they're not interested. It doesn't make sense. I mean, it doesn't, like, it doesn't I don't, cost money to talk to him. It was an hour before the, they announced the non-exclusive that the Falcons are talking to Lamar or yeah. the Dolphins are talking to Lamar and then immediately gets the non-exclusive not well, no, no, the Falcons aren't interested. No, no, yeah. the Dolphins aren't interested. Well, guess what, guys? The Chiefs aren't interested. I just want to, I just want to put that <laughs> out there. The Chiefs are not interested. Um, no, uh, but I do want to say, a team that should be looking at Lamar. I don't know if they will be, or I don't know how much money they will put into him. Is the Jets? Mm-hmm. Uh, we were just talking about them before. Obviously, Lamar, twenty-six years old, can do a lot on the field not not just throwing the ball but with his legs um we've seen him win an mvp we've seen him play at a very high level uh you know he couldn't stay on the field this year due to injury which was a bit concerning but you know there was a lot more that went into it and you don't want to have a guy play um you know we've seen the we've seen it with rg3 we don't want to put him out on the field if he's not 100 percent uh so for the jets would you rather look at a 38-year-old Aaron Rodgers and bring him in for two years with such a young core and try and get something done now? Or bring in a 26-year-old Lamar Jackson, sign him to a long-term deal, and try to get something done now for a guy that plays at a high-caliber level and is also still considered a top-10 quarterback? I think that's a guy that you want to think about putting an investment into. And the more money you put in, the more reluctant Baltimore is going to be to match that offer so if you put in a huge deal and just backload the hell out of it then or front load the hell out of it i should say then you're not really taking that big of a hit um you want to try and get a guy like that in there in your organization especially with such a young core not only on defense but on offense as well or option c which is probably the most likely unfortunately for jet fans is they go and sign jimmy garoppolo for a lot cheaper i saw I did see another report that the Texans are looking to sign Jimmy Garoppolo as a bridge quarterback and bench whoever they draft first for a year or two. Really? I did. Wow. I saw a report about that. All right. I don't know if that's true. 
I believe but it. But I did see that. That would make sense. Yeah, I did see Depending that. Depending on who you want to draft. Yeah. I, th- I think Bryce Young and CJ will be good to go from day one. But some of those other guys that I know you enjoy. Well, maybe not the case. I don't enjoy them. I would just <laughs> like I would just like to see them in uh, you know, in those other teams in the AFC South. <laughs> Uh, we're going to go into the halftime hustle, and we're going to go into Drip of the Week. While we... Would you like to yeah, sure, I will. Uh, my Drip of the Week is from Emmanuel Quickly. After uh, hitting the a, a, a bucket to put the Knicks up by five, double overtime against Boston um, on Sunday night, had a career-high 38 points in this game. After this bucket, off the high glass, skipping down the side of the court, he looks um, like a cartoon character. I loved it. He was having the time of his life. He was dancing throughout this game. So many good photos and videos from Quickly. Um, had a phenomenal game as well while Jalen Brunson was out. But I just loved the picture of him skipping down uh, the side of the court with a huge smile on his face. Um, and I'm a happy Knicks fan. Yeah, they lost to Charlotte <laughs> last night. That's expected as a Knicks fan. But nine-game winning streak. I had a good time. Well, my drip of the week comes from Barstool Sports. Um, Barstool Sports, not directly from any athletes or any event that they were covering, just the company, because Dave Portnoy, obviously the president of Barstool Sports, as everyone knows him, El Presidente, some people refer to him as, uh, decided he's going to bring a couple of his employees, a couple of his guys, to Disneyland. And uh, just for a trip, I don't know how long they're gone for, but they were at Star Wars World today. Yeah. And all of them were wearing just straight up Star Wars outfits. So obviously you see Dave standing next to the Mandalorian, in a straight-up uh, imperial outfit, and then all of them have Star Wars stuff on. They've got their jackets, everything like that. Um, but you know, taking a picture with the Mandalorian himself and Baby Yoda, of course. So I thought that was pretty cool, pretty funny. Um, I know you're not a big fan of Barstool, but I thought it was hilarious. Not, not, um, not a and, big Barstool guy and, or a big Star Wars. And guy. some of the some of the videos that they've been putting out there are quite funny as well that I've been enjoying throughout the day. Good. So you know, give them reactions. I admire the drip because Barstool has a has a brand of, you know, cool guys like it, but the fact that they're the human enjoy yeah, yeah. to Disneyland, I can respect it. It's nice. Yeah. You know, bringing bring in a bunch of guys. The, a lot of the guys that actually went on the trip were a part of the their like movie podcast. Um, and Fun. they do enjoy a lot of the Star Wars stuff Good. like that. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, players of the week. You can go first. You want me to go, go first? Yeah. Um, I have someone that is near and dear to my heart, near and dear to my hometown, Scranton, Pennsylvania. <laughs> That's Jerry McNamara getting his jersey retired this week um, at the Dome. Um, him and Hakeem Warwick. And uh, it was awesome. Uh, a, a multiple, like, I cannot tell you how many people were there from Scranton. There were so many. There were, like, two or three buses that came up. His That's entire so family cool. was there. That's so nice. Um, and even back then, I went to so I went to a, an Irish restaurant. I don't want to make this a whole long story, but I went to an Irish restaurant on Saturday, and I had on a Jerry McNamara shirt from 2003. It was my dad's old one. Um, That's cool. And the waitress there said that she was working back then, and obviously back then, if you know Scranton, you know that there were like there were probably like 16 buses to every game, and his last home game. There could have been probably like 24 buses that were brought up here from Scranton. And she said like six or seven of them stopped just at that Irish restaurant to party, drink, eat, you know, do whatever and enjoy. And um, Jerry has done a lot for the community in his time here, honestly, with the recent announcement. We'll get into that in just a second. Um, I don't know how how much longer he will be sticking around, uh, but 
wish him the best and he's ingrained in Syracuse history forever obviously yeah. in that in that national championship and even in the Big East championships following Congratulate. Well, not congratulations to my great career, but being recognized for yeah. a phenomenal career. My player of the week, keeping up in the New York sports world, Darius Slate. Not for what he did on the field, but what he did on Twitter. Um, absolutely yamming on Bears safety Jaquan Brisker earlier this morning. Jaquan Brisker uh, tweeted yesterday talking about Lamar and Daniel Jones. And he was confused why Daniel Jones got a contract extension and Lamar hadn't gotten one. And he called Daniel Jones, quote, trash on Twitter. And DJ doesn't read Twitter. He's not a social guy. It doesn't affect him. But Darius Slayton quote tweeted Jaquan Brisker um, with a picture of the Giants beating Chicago 20-12 to this past season. Just the score, nothing else to go with it. And he ratioed him. He had more likes than the Brisker tweet. Not to mention, Darius Slayton is an unrestricted free agent. He has no tie to the Giants anymore, but he's sticking up for his quarterback. He's not going to be on social media. He's gotten hate in his entire career. But... Darius Slade, you're the player of the week, and Jaquan Brisker, get a life. You also got blocked by Daniel Jones, like, into the ground in that week three game. So, get over do, yourself. Do Nobody you, knows who you are. Because of this, are you convinced that you want to see Darius Slayton back in New York? Yeah, sure. I mean, he's fine. He's not meant to be a wide receiver one or two, which he had to be this year. If he can be that fourth guy off the bench, if someone goes down and he needs to step up, I'm all for it. I like Darius Slayton. Maybe, maybe you'll get the shot. Even if he drops the ball, like, three times a game. That's okay. Well, we're going to move on to the NBA, and we're going to start with some uh, quite a spicy headline, and that's Ja Morant yeah. um, getting suspended. He actually was – there was an, uh, a news report that came out earlier today. He's not being charged criminally, or they have not found him criminally guilty of anything. Um, you know, he, there were videos of him holding a firearm. Yeah. There were there was apparently a fight between him and a 17-year-old, and he uh, brought out a – a firearm as well um so we obviously those are reports no well the instagram live thing is not yeah, a report. That's not that a report. was that, that was happened. yeah that did happen at a club um but the fight is a report mm-hmm. uh so I, I, I don't even know what to say i'm not going to be the one to tell john morant how to live his life as a 20 year old who's sitting in a room um <laughs> he has a different platform he it's his life but I do think that Memphis, as an organization, the Grizzlies have done a really good job of handling this, and they have shown how much they care about Jaw and how they want the best for him. And whatever, if there's something off with him, they want to fix that. They want to make sure that everything's all right moving forward. I'm really glad that they are doing that because he's a kid. He's 23 years old. Yeah, doesn't turn 24 until August. Um, he's three years older than us, or two years older, I guess three years technically, but. Um, he's a kid. I'm really glad how Memphis has handled the situation. I don't know what's going to happen with Jaw off the field moving forward or off the court moving forward, but I wish him the best. I don't have – there's not much we can say. I mean, I, I think you put it perfectly. Um, also, a shout-out to Steven Adams because he had a big influence on this. He apparently had, had held a, an all-players meeting Yeah. Um, after all well. of this happened. Um, saying that they they kind of need to help and pick each other up yeah, and you know do do everything that they can and this was following the suspension um, pretty awesome awesome stuff from from him but uh, hoping the best for Ja um, and that he gets what he needs or he can you know live his life how he wants to I guess yeah 
Um, Sixers, a game and a half back from the Celtics for the two seed. The Sixers on a three-game win streak. The Celtics on the complete opposite. They're on a three-game loss streak. Three-game loss streak, and they've lost four or five, including two to the New York Knicks. There's 17 games to go in the season. That can very much be made up. Um, and not only can it be made up, it'll make a big difference because it makes you it, you get to play a play-in team. You yes. slide up to that two spot in the conference. makes a huge difference uh, getting to play one of those play-in teams. And also, if you're the two seed, you advance. You're the three seed, you advance. Two seed's going to have home, home court For advantage. Two. For, For two rounds yeah. instead of the yeah. one. If you're yeah, but if, if the two and the three are to play each other, yeah. They're gonna have the two seeds. Obviously, gonna have home court a lot advantage, of implications. which is also chances huge. are that's gonna be the two three matchup between yes. Boston and uh, Philadelphia because the Bucks are on a tear. Yeah, right now. they are. They're gonna they're gonna end up at the one, Cleveland four, Knicks five. Ha ha ha. Who knows what's going on with Brooklyn? They've turned it around a little bit as of late, but um, that's huge if they're if they're able to do that. And I think they can. And I'll even say it now. I think they will. I think they'll get up to the two spot. Who? Philadelphia. Oh, Philly? Well, I think so, no, too. No, the Knicks. What do you mean? <laughs> I, think so t- I think so, too. The way that they've been playing, the way that they've yeah. been meshing together. Definitely. I-, I said last week, Tyrese Maxey needs to get more involved. I think he's scored 15-plus in every single game that I've s- since mm-hmm. I've said that. Um, Tobias Harris was out for a few games there as well, and they, they battled through it. Um, he's been huge for them as well, hitting corner threes, doing whatever. Um, P.J. Tucker having all of that influence as well. Um it's they they've all been everyone's been a key part of this this time but we're getting hardened back to to a state that we have not seen him for in in a while mm-hmm. um and and be playing at the highest level of basketball that we can possibly see at all on any team um so the, the entire team as a whole playing at a great level of basketball and heating up at the exact time that they need to uh, we talked about a lot of worst to first stories. About first stories. But this is first to worst. And the Pelicans have fallen all the way to the 10 seed, I believe it is now, right? 10, yeah. Yeah, so what's going on and where is Zion Williamson? Well, it was reported, I believe today, it might have been yesterday, that Zion's nowhere close to a return. And at this point, there's, again, 18 games left in the season. Wrap it up. You're not getting him back. They've lost six of their last seven. Brandon Ingram can't carry a team. Neither can CJ McCollum. They need that superstar. They need Zion there, and they're not going to have him there. So there goes that. And, and at this point, who knows if load management, we've discussed that with Zion, or if the guy is actually injury prone. I was going to say, knows? is this is this going to be the story of Zion's career for the rest of his life? I think this is, what, his fourth year in the league? Uh, I, I don't even know, because, no, he missed basically the entirety of last well, year. So drafted. Tra- yeah, yeah, yeah. Drafted yeah, yeah, four yeah, yeah. years ago. So I guess you can start saying that. You got a fair argument saying that he's injury prone. Um, ever, since, ever since his shoe blew out at Duke against UNC. It really, it really sucks rims. because I usually hate Duke players when they come out of college. Yeah. I really do. But Zion's a guy that... I really ended up liking when he came when he went to the league. Um, all the hype surrounding him as well. Like we had not seen a lot no. of hype surrounding a guy a really like that in a long time. For I mean, like I don't want to put it to like LeBron level, but like that's fair. It's, it, it's it is fair it, it's pretty comparable because we had followed Zion throughout his entire high school career. Mm-hmm. Um, well, obviously now 
Zion is still regarded as one of the superstars in the league, but we hardly see him on the court. When he's on the court... He's a superstar. He is, <laughs> <All right. laughs> he is by far a superstar. One of the best superstars in the league. And even this year, we saw his shot. Like, he was able to shoot jumpers. Like, yeah. he was looking he was clean. He was looking mm-hmm. good. And when he was on the floor, obviously, we saw the Pelicans as high as the two or f- one or two seed. Yeah. Um, and then he's, he goes missing. He gets goes hurt. Goes missing. He, well, he gets hurt. <laughs> and then... There's reports every two weeks that, Keeps well, well, he's going to he's gonna get reevaluated in two weeks. He's going to get reevaluated in two weeks. But we don't really know what's going to end up happening with him. There, I mean, obviously right now you're just hoping that he's back for the playoffs. But at that point, you have to make the playoffs. Yeah. You have to make the play in at this point because we're just going to get right into that right now. The wild, wild west, all of the seeds 5 through 13 are all separated by three games. Yeah, and New Orleans is right there at the 10 spot. They're tied with Oklahoma. They're right in the mix. They're, they're tied with Oklahoma City and Portland, though. They are uh, they're all thirty-one and thirty-four. Utah's thirty-one and thirty-five. They, as you said, the goal of getting to the playoffs to have Zion back, that obviously is the goal. I don't think that that's going to be achievable, though. I think they're going to fall out of that spot. And looking at the teams that are who are like on the outside looking in right now, Portland. They were up really high at the very beginning of the season. Same with Utah. A lot of these teams on the first to worst category. Well, we talked about. I mean, Utah was never expected to s- sustain no. what they were doing, and I mean, Laurie Markkinen, great story. What he yeah. was doing, he was an all star as well for the the hometown team. But like that Utah team, they had no business of being up there. Mm-hmm. Portland, it's always like that every year. You'll yeah. have Dame start off an MVP season, <laughs> have a down spurt throughout like january february then right after right after the all-star game when he shoots like six half court threes and makes (laughs) all of them he scores insane insane numbers of points and wins like every game that he scores that high but they're not in the mix for anything and they don't achieve anything because he doesn't have players surrounding him and he's really putting up i don't want to say meaningless numbers because they're like insane numbers but also they are pretty meaningless when you're not winning games when you don't have when you're not contending they hold no way um Teams like the Clippers, they've got Russell Westbrook, and then they hadn't won a game in, like, five games since acquiring him, which mm-hmm. was weird. And Kawhi, I think, put up 30-plus in all of those. Yeah. He was averaging, I think, like, 33 in all five games. They didn't win a single one. Um, the Mavericks acquiring Kyrie. Uh, Kyrie. And then, I mean, like, sitting at the five, obviously, that, that two through four is kind of weird right now because Memphis doesn't have Ja. Sacramento is playing like they're they are a legit legit. team for the playoffs um so it's they're gonna be an interesting team to watch but obviously have phoenix sitting right in the middle of it at the four seed and that's the scariest team of them all Mm -hmm. at their best at their best yes and before before we finish up with the nba uh, (coughs) and how i spoke about the teams who are at the bottom trying to get in the teams that are quote at the top with the like within that three game range dallas and golden state you lose three games and one other team wins three games, you're out of the playoffs. Like, that fast. It can happen in one week. And Golden State, in particular, they play Memphis tomorrow, and then they play Milwaukee, Phoenix, and the Clippers. Those are our three playoff teams. Obviously, Milwaukee's on the tear, as you said. They could easily lose those three games and just like that be right back down. They're not even in the play-in right now. This whole entire conference can turn on a dime at any minute. It, it's a... Uh... It's it's wild wild it's the wild wild west like we really there's no other way there's so many scenarios for different teams, um, 
obviously Golden State facing all these teams, but obviously the Clippers in that mix, Timberwolves in that mix. Mm-hmm. Um, anything could happen with any of these teams. Even L.A., the Lakers, we haven't, I mean, well, the L.A. Clippers, but the L.A. Lakers, we have not talked about them much either. I mean, like adding D'Angelo Russell, but now Anthony Davis got hit in the face last night, so yeah. also There's don't know if something. he's, he's going to have to be playing with a mask or something like, something like that. Um, a lot of question marks for them. It's really weird, and the amount of scenarios of teams getting in. Also, Oklahoma City, Shea has been playing out of his mind, but like, how much is that team surrounding him going to be able to pull it off? Josh Giddy. It's all the yeah, way. Josh Giddy has been, <laughs> is always on a tear. Um, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be a wild finish here. Like you said, about eighteen games to go. So moving on, we are creeping towards Selection Sunday. It is mm. looming. <laughs> But before we get into teams that have punched their ticket, I think we got to talk about the breaking news that happened right before we started yeah. recording. That's, That's Jim Beheim hanging it up, re- retiring, retiring slash slash forced out, kicking him out, whatever the situation is. Um, that's that. Forty-seven years. Um, a so fantastic, long. a fantastic career for Coach Beheim. Yeah, uh, a thousand the, plus the last, wins. the last recent years. Um, you know, having a little bit of a shaky finish. Adrian Autry taking over. Taking over. Um, there were rumors between him and, and GMAC who was going to get the be. job. Um, I think that's why I said the statement before that maybe Jerry, we see Jerry on the way out, mm-hmm. go somewhere else. Um, but Coach Beheim, great career. Uh, weird finish. Um, yeah. Because he said, he said something about the – the uh the you know the wake forest having his having his um retirement set. speech but it didn't sound at all like a retirement speech he just kind of talked about the 2003 team and thanked the fans that's for all, coming that's out all this he ever year cared about it was all um, for mellow so all for mellow. i don't know jim Beheim court obviously and he's in the ring of honor and he's yeah. in the basketball hall of fame and he's he's one of the greats got everything he um needs. he's got an, an, an amazing career under his belt so we wish the best to coach Beheim. yeah one hundred percent. Just weird though. Yeah. Weird how it all. It was a weird. Up. It was a weird ending. So fast, it was a too. weird ending. It did, and it was almost like his press conference finished, and they were like, "Let's put out the statement." Yeah. The university. Yeah. Immediately. Did yeah. That. Yeah. It wasn't a reporter or anything. The university broke the news. Yeah. So cool. We're here for it. <laughs> we are here for history. We were at. I'm. I was at Jim Beheim's final game. I wasn't because uh, my friend missed his flight, <laughs> and then his Greyhound got canceled, so I had to go pick him up. Um, moving on to uh, to the tournament as we approach it. Before we get into, I would say you got some you got some I got some things there, to so say. I'll let, you, I'll let you say before we get into the conference champions and who's already punched their tickets and everything. Um, this is conference championship championship week, and we've reached the danger zone for a couple of teams um, regarding if they're going to win the entire thing or not. Believe it or not, you can determine if the national champion is going to be determined this week. Um, First and foremost, no team has ever won the national championship after losing their first conference tournament game. And I spoke about this plenty with the Big 12 just because of how good that conference is. And any of those teams is going to be on the top lines of Kansas, Texas, Baylor, Kansas State. They can easily lose this first game. Um, But we always see upsets around the entire college basketball landscape. When you're playing your conference, this could be the second or third time that you've played them in the season. You can easily drop one of these games. Um... Along with that, there are set criteria dating back to 2002 that every national champion has had, and I'll talk more about it last week. I talked about it last year. But there are a couple of things that I just want to point out. 
that teams are trying to do to get themselves in position to fill these criteria, fit these criteria. And that is every champion has been top 40 on offense, top 22 on defense in Kempom by the end of the season. And that means after the tournament. I mean, you just have to be in range going into the tournament. And teams like Tennessee right now, number 48 on offense, Kansas State, number 51 on offense, they're trying to get into that range. They're trying to make it possible for them to get into that. Um, that being said, I believe Tennessee has something else wrong with them, meaning they're not going to win the national championship regardless. But even so, they're still trying to get there. And then the big dog, talk of the town, couldn't, can they repeat, repeat? And that is Kansas. Every national champion since 2002 has had a scoring margin of 7.0 or better heading into the tournament. Kansas is currently at 7.4, and they've got a big, they had a very bad loss to Texas, which we didn't even talk about yeah. because they got killed in that. That ruined their scoring margin. Depending on what happens here, even if you only win these games by two, three points, your scoring margin goes down. If they win first two games by three points each, get to that championship, play Texas again get dunked on, lose by 20, they don't hit that 7 mark, throw them out the window. So, a lot of things to watch as we get to this week. I love it. Who I mean, if, if Texas can do it and keep them from getting to that point, horns up, man. Horns up. Yeah, which we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about more when we go through our, our Power 5 conference yeah, predictions. Yeah. But. Um, so, we've got Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference dominating St. Mary's yesterday in the win. Yeah. And I had some comments to you, you know, last night comments, about this. A lot of comments making me feel bad about myself. <laughs> no, and I didn't and I didn't mean for it to come off that way. And I realized that I went a little harsh in my explanation. But St. Mary's that's pathetic to get absolutely killed like that in the conference championship game. And I understand you 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 could say uh, you keep just, going. Just, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll say my stuff. After. And I understand what you're gonna say with yes, it's a thing about it's a thing in sports. You see teams get killed time and time again, and especially in college basketball, regular season mm -hmm. games. You see teams lose by twenty and come back and win by twenty in other games. But in a conference championship game, your final game before you're going into the tournament. Even if you're losing by four points, if it's a close game all the, the entire time, well, that still sets your momentum to play these tough games in the tournament, especially against Zaga team that's number ninth in the number nine in the country, and St. Mary's also, I should say, is 16th in the country or was 16th in the a country. Good team. And both of these teams facing off, and St. Mary's didn't even look like they put up a fight. Obviously, I know you're going to say they're, statistic, they're, they're not going to have a game like that again. They're never going to play like that again. Well, also, they're going to play better teams than Gonzaga in this tournament. They're going to face better later teams on. yeah, later on in the tournament if they can make it that far because that was just pathetic, and I cannot believe a team that is ranked 16th in the country can play in a conference championship game and look like that and expect to have momentum going into the tournament. Totally fair. And I'm not even going to talk about St. Mary's, but I'm going to talk about the topic of momentum going into the tournament. And why I don't care about it, and I think that it's fake. And I do not put any stock into that. Look at Duke last year. ACC championship game, similar circumstance. Playing an unranked Virginia Tech team that came out of nowhere. Lost that game by 15 points. In theory, you've got no momentum. You just got ran out of the gym by a terrible team who ended up losing Virginia Tech in the first round to Texas, Duke ends up making the Final Four. Arkansas lost to Texas A&M in the SEC semifinals of the tournament last year by 18, even more. Again, it's not the 25. St. Mary's again. This is not like the exact same thing because St. Mary's did get dominated. They shot 30% from the field. Gonzaga was close to 60%. 
But Texas A&M didn't even make the tournament in the end, and Arkansas made it to the Elite Eight. Um, obviously, it's not good for St. Mary's, but I just think this concept of momentum is a bunch of fooey. We saw it with Iowa last year. They won the Big Ten Championship. Everyone thought, oh, man, they're a five seed. They could be a sneaky pick to make the Final Four, if not win the whole thing. They lose to Richmond in the first round. I don't care about it. It's fair. It makes sense. There's reasons to believe that momentum is a thing, but there's also plenty of reasons to not believe it. I just fall on the reason, on the side that it doesn't. Again, don't get killed, St. Mary's. Do better than that. You already beat them once this season. Also, and they were and they were losing by 30 at one yeah. point. Like, more than 30. Very much so. Like that reason just, for concern. It it's sad. reason for concern that they're sad. capable of doing that. Yeah. And that's why I'm not going to pick Tennessee to go very far, just because of the inconsistencies. Now that we've seen that they are capable of coming out that flat, it's reason to be concerned. I wasn't going to have St. Mary's going very far anyway. but I mean, neither was I. I'm not saying they were a fantastic team, but I'm saying for people out there that are going to see, oh, St. Mary's a yeah. 16th seed, and they're probably going to end up being somewhere around like the eight line or so. No, I mean, probably higher, probably like a five, six. Five, six. Yeah. yeah. Like, if they're going to see a St. Mary's at five or six and think, oh, okay. Well, but also, those are the hardest matchups to pick yeah, sometimes. every year. Yeah. Uh, well, Charleston, a team that we <laughs> talked about a while yeah, ago. Yeah, we did. A officially ago. punches their ticket to the big dance. Yeah. Um, and they're not going to make it very far. But no. here are a few others that have already made their, their you know, punched their ticket. Fairly Dickerson, Drake, Southeast Missouri State. Did you have that on your bingo card? <laughs> <laughs> Kennesaw State, UNC. Their first tournament ever. Yeah. Kennesaw State. Yeah. UNC, Furman. Northern Kentucky, Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, and Oral Roberts. And Drake. I don't think you said Drake. I did say Drake. Okay, I guess I'm going crazy then. <laughs> That's all right. Um, I don't care about any of these teams except for Oral Roberts. And you should care about them as well. And I'm going to talk about them a lot more next week. But they're the one of the best scoring teams in the country. They score 84.2 points per game, um, which is the third most in the country. They shoot 47.9% from the field, 25th. And they put up the seventh most shots in the country per game, 63.8. Depending on matchup, they end up with a team who's not defensive-based, if they're not defensive mindset. Um, they can make a run. And we saw it two years ago. 15 I would say Oral Roberts is not is not a stranger to the tournament. They've been, they've been in the... Made the Sweet 16. They've been in the... Uh, again. The position before. They'll so probably, I, uh, I have... Uh, I've done my I've done a little bit of my research my own research. I've been saving I've been saving the full stats for next yeah, week. I'm looking forward so, to it. So uh I, I I can't wait. I can't wait. We're gonna have a big, big episode again. Um well, we're gonna go into the power five conference tournaments. We're gonna pick our teams for the winners. We have entirely different ones. Wow. This is awesome. All right. Well, we're gonna start at the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you want me to go? Sure. I'm taking Indiana. Um, I think seeing Indiana throughout the season, we've seen them beat teams like Purdue, obviously, um, and beat up, beat up on, on those Big Ten teams. I think they're a, a sneaky team within the Big Ten, and I think they could make a, a run here in the tournament. They're good, but we've also seen inconsistencies with them, and that's why we talk about momentum. We talk about what we're going to get when they're at their best. They can push Purdue. They can easily win that tournament. But we've also seen them lose by 22 to Iowa. We've seen them have to go to overtime with Michigan. A Michigan team that has no business being on the bubble, by the way. They, yeah, no. They're not good. They're not a good team. Um, I'm riding with the chalk. Purdue, they're the one seed. 
and I think the way that things will shake out, I think Purdue ends up with that fourth number one seed um, in the NCAA tournament. I'm just writing with, this is what they've done. They've done it the entire year. I don't see why anything changes with them. All right. Well, we shall see with the Big Ten. Uh, moving on to the Pac-12, I think this is a, a two-horse race here. Yeah, very um, much so. And I took UCLA. I talked about them last week getting that last number one seed. Mm-hmm. Um, which is totally plausible. Yeah, and I think that uh, if they win, they will they will achieve yeah. that. Yeah, and they're up to the number two spot in the AP poll that came out today and got multiple first-place votes. I'm taking Arizona, which will knock UCLA down to the two line in, in this scenario. And the reason I do that is that Jalen Clark, uh, Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, out for the season with an Achilles tear. Um, it's going to take them a little bit to adjust. He was their number three scorer Um it's going to take a little bit of time to adjust not having that guy on your team. And I think the Pac-12 is where they're going to shake that out. I think they're going to be fine come tournament time. I think they'll be Final Four, even National Champion. Um, but it's going to take a little bit to get used to not having that defensive presence. And I think they can get through a weak Pac-12, and then they run into Arizona, play them for the third time. I think Arizona gets that win. But, again, UCLA. Two, two horse race. It's, it's, yeah. it's one of those two, obviously. Yeah. But There's nothing much we'll to, see. to discuss. Uh, the ACC, which, you know, had its its first couple games this this yeah. afternoon. Go Syracuse. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was fun. Um, Pitt actually getting a win over Georgia yeah. Tech. And that's who I'm taking is Pitt wow. uh, to win the ACC. We, I've seen them play at a very high level uh, in the ACC, a very weak conference. Um, I don't trust in Virginia at all to win this conference. Um, another team that I would say is a dark horse just because they had finished the season so high. And I, I mean, they're not a dark horse at this point, but Duke to win it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm taking Pitt. Uh, last week, I think they were at, I think they were second or first in in um, the ACC, but, you know, had two, two, rough lo- two or three yeah. rough losses to finish out the season. But I think that this team... The, the experience, the age that they have, they're a very high-scoring offense, and I think they're going to do it. I'm picking a team that I'm not going to pick in the NCAA tournament to do anything, but I will in the ACC tournament, a team that you just bashed, and that is Virginia. I think that them and Miami are the top two in the ACC. I think there's a drop-off. I think Pitt has been on fire as of late. They were in the top 25 um, last week. They got knocked out of it because of those two losses. I'm picking Virginia. I'm riding with Tony Bennett. The guy knows what he's doing. That team knows what they're doing. They played the same game. You know what you're going to get with Virginia. I don't think it'll work long-term, but in the ACC, good enough for me. The one thing I want to say about Pitt, and regardless if they win the ACC or not, they should not be on the bubble. They should be in. No. They should be in. Not at all. They should be It's. It should seven, not be. Eight, yeah, nine. it should not be that people are questioning whether or not they should make they're it. legit. Because I saw reports, well, not reports, I saw articles throughout the week Asking if Pitt should even be in the tournament. Yes, they should be in the tournament. They played at, at high totally high basketball throughout the season. Uh, SEC, I'm going with Tennessee based off of instinct. I don't know. I just have a weird feeling about this. I actually don't think they're going to do that well in the tournament, um, which is shocking coming from me, but I yeah. have a weird feeling they're going to win the SEC. All right. That's a fair that, I mean, I don't know. It's it's March, so like anything can happen. I'm going with a with a team um, who's been one of the best in the country since they started six and five, and that's Texas A&M. They just beat Alabama um, on Saturday, I believe it was, might have been Sunday, whatever. Um, statistically speaking, by every metric, they have been a top ten team in the entire nation since pretty much January, the last two plus months. Um, they're the number two seed in the SEC. I think they get it done. I think it'll 
going to be an Alabama rematch as well in the championship. And I think they get them again. Two in a row. Well, But Tennessee's again, possible. Oh, yeah. that's possible. Whatever. <laughs> uh, and now the strongest conference, yeah. arguably. And that's the Big 12. And I'm taking Texas. Horns up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm saying this because we've seen them, again, another team that's been playing at a very high level all year. But also, not a lot of people talk about it right now. Their coach not being there throughout the entire season, overcoming that adversity and still being able to play at such a high level. I think Mm -hmm. that come tournament time, they're going to be hungry. They're going to be wanting to prove that they don't want that noise in their locker room. They don't want that noise anywhere else. They're proving who they are as players and proving what what they can give to this program that needs a little bit of light shed on the basketball program because there's so much negative light shed on Mm -hmm. it right now because of the coach surrounding it. And I think bringing a Big 12 championship home would do a lot for that. I think they lose (laughs) to Kansas in the championship of the Big 12 tournament. And either of these teams can do it. Either of these teams can go to the Final Four. can win the entire thing, quite frankly. But I don't see a Bill Bill Self coach team losing to the same team twice in one week, basically. Um, for that reason, I go with Kansas. I think these are the two top teams in a really good conference. I think there's a slight drop-off to Kansas State and Baylor. Yeah. But I'm picking Kansas. That's that's me. You're you. I'm surprised that we didn't have any overlap. I am shocked, too. I actually, I well, ones. even the only oh, – like, we wouldn't have even had overlap, but the only thing I was debating on changing was I was going to take Miami in the ACC. Yeah. Um, but, no, I, that's, that is very shocking. Yeah. Too oh, many, no. too many good basketball teams yeah. out there. Well, we'll see which of those basketball teams <laughs> make the tournament on Sunday when Selection Sunday comes around. But Wally, while they're waiting for Selection Sunday, where can they find us? You can hit us up at Slinging Sports on Instagram at Slinging underscore Sports on Twitter. The number one way to know when all episodes are dropped. Sweet graphics, sweet episode content, all of that good stuff. Well, I could not have said that better myself. I, I mean, I love all the graphics. Um, I do want to preface. For everyone that's going to be listening next listening next week, full March Madness episode, we're doing the bracket breakdown. Yes. Um, you know, our second year doing so, maybe having a special guest or two on the show. <laughs> Who knows? We'll see what happens. But cannot wait to get to that episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to this one. We will catch you guys in the next one. Peace.